Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Troy Bridgman, a freelance journalist working here in Guelph. If there's a protest in Guelph, then you will probably see Troy there with his camera. For years now, our city has been a hotbed for direct action, a very politically inclined city on a variety of issues, whether that's climate change, poverty, workers' rights, equality, Black Lives Matter, or the systemic abuse of indigenous people. Last Wednesday, direct action was on display again as people gathered in Market Squared. Some were there for what they said were concerns about parental rights and what kids are being taught in school, but there was another bigger group there that was hearing a very different message. It's odd when one group protests another. It's odd when a protest is being accused of hiding their true intentions, and it's odd when 1,000 people flood Market Square on a Wednesday morning. We need to take a moment to unpack all this, and that is going to be the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. So let's start the unpacking. There were about 250 people there gathered under the banner called One Million March for Children, and they were, to quote them, uniting diverse backgrounds and faiths to eliminate sexual orientation and gender identity, or SOGI, curriculum, pronouns, gender ideology, and mixed bathrooms in schools, unquote. Essentially, they want more say in what their kids are learning in schools, especially in regards to things that fall under the LGBTQ plus rainbow. The passivity of that message, though, has been somewhat belied by incidents like the one at a Calgary march where a child was filmed saying that all gay people are psychopaths. And then a pride flag was burned and rocks were thrown at queer students at a Kitchener High School a little over 24 hours after the march there. This was the point of the massive counter-protest organized in response to the march. Any inference that the One Million March was not about hate for the 2S LGBTQIA plus community didn't matter because it would result in an increase in hate-motivated incidents all the same, and this seems to be the case here. Although the focus was supposed to be on education matters, the One Million March for Children did feature some holdovers from other protests in recent years, like anger about mask and vaccine mandates, which no longer exist, or concerns about the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, who do not have any influence on education policy in Ontario. Heck, you don't even have to need to go that high, because there are plenty of people who believe that the Ontario sex ed curriculum teaches things that it does not. It's easy to say that the protests across Canada last Wednesday were about hate, but they were also about misinformation, which is harder to cover than a regular protest, and also... It's almost a speciality now when it comes to reporting on these protests. So to talk more about this, I knew just the person to call up on Zoom. And that person was Troy Bridgman, who joins us on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast to talk about the One Million March for Children, how it was a different kind of protest to cover, his observations and interactions with the marchers, and the strangeness of having two protests happening at the same time. We will also discuss how people live different lives online, how you can talk to someone who believes in misinformation and conspiracy theories, and how you, as a reporter, react when you're accused of being an appendage of the deep state or some other boogeyman. And finally, we will discuss what will happen next with this One Million March movement, trying to find the immediate local goals in a protest, and what Bridgman plans to do with all those hours of protest footage that he's collected over the years. So I caught up with Troy Bridgman earlier this week via Zoom. Troy Bridgman, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here, Adam. Uh, let me ask you first, uh, you know, going back to uh, last Wednesday, uh, you know, great protest or the greatest protest you've ever been to? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess there's two ways to look at it. One, it was like, it's great television when you mm. have... Uh, when you have conflict, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's especially for this project I've been working on for it must be like two decades now or more, more than two decades. I've been sort of documenting yeah, activism in the city and uh, typically you don't get much confrontation. Mm. It's like uh, 
it's one group protesting or occupying a site, but so that was good. And the other end of it is like, it's kind of discouraging at the same time because, you know, so much of the passion of the people was based on misinformation, based on a misunderstanding of the issue and the, the specific top, you know, so for that matter. Mm. And, uh, and but you know it's almost it's also disappointing to see kind of the the polarization on both sides because mm-hmm. you know there wasn't I wouldn't describe it as being much of an effort on either side to kind of meet in the middle and uh, and I don't want to be picking on the I guess the left or whatever <laughs> you want to call it mm-hmm. who have more experience at these sort of things mm-hmm. that uh, because. You know, and I, you probably noticed this too with these uh, with these uh, anti-vax, and I sort of lump these people in with that group. They don't have a lot of experience in activism, and so they get a little worked up, and they're angry, and they're and uh, so you know you kind of expect it from them. And uh, yeah. I know this has been your experience too, because I've I've had more uh, confrontation by people at those rallies and any other activist rallies I've been to over the years. And uh, it has a lot to do with most of it's driven by anger, you know, driven by, and not a lot of facts. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, a lot of it is just reactionary. So, uh, but, you know, ultimately I think th- they're good things. They're good. You know, people getting out and protesting and, and uh, seeing each other's faces and, and uh it, but best yeah it's a like i've seen my share of them but uh it's you know. it's interesting too to to what you said you know it wasn't a venue for like resolving differences which i'm no. not sure a protest is a, a venue for resolving differences i mean i've never been to a protest where you know Greenbelt, for example, I you know I went to up to the protest outside Ford Fest a couple of weeks ago, and it's not like Doug Ford came out and said, "Okay, you guys are right, we screwed up." I Paul, you know, that could have been a great. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a great story if he'd come out of Ford Fest and talk to the, the people and apologize then and there. But yeah, I I've, I've never been to a protest where that happens, and it, I mean not, and that's not to say that's the point of the protest too. And and I think what's interesting mm-hmm. here, and maybe you've seen this online too, is that everybody went to the protest on wednesday and then went back to their corners everyone's on their respective facebook pages exchanging notes and feelings and and you know how they all felt it went down or what lessons they learned yeah yeah and this again it's like i've uh sort of i sort of compared this this new age of protest it's it's almost like entertainment it's almost like uh Mm. you're supporting your uh your villain in the uh you know professional wrestling (laughs) yeah and uh there's a you know there again you know again you know i i would say typically in the past and you would you would mentioned you'd like talk about this sort of thing typically in the past uh activists are well informed on the topic that they're Mm. whether you agree with them or not they know facts and they they rarely are saying things that aren't true like they may be interpreting you know policy or whatever a certain way but they're not you know completely uninformed about it and just like believing what their friends said they tend to be very informed about it so i know it can be frustrating when you're dealing with and it there's a tendency to want to make fun of them sort of yeah. make fun of these people because and i've been guilty of it i've been oh, guilty yeah, yeah. because it's me got too. to the point where they're being so ridiculous with me you know with the conspiracy theorists that theories that uh you know, and you've been there, you've seen like they've told you and I both at these things like, you know, we're working for Pfizer or or uh, another one of the big pharma. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know I'm not like, I mean, it's not like something I have to go check to see if they're right. And uh, <laughs> so it becomes almost ridiculous when they're telling me that or they they accuse you of being a pedophile or whatever. Mm. Like, you know who you are. And right. uh and so it's uh so you do have a tendency to try to i guess and my my sort of reaction is to try to be funny to disarm it you know like to try yeah. to make a joke about it but these people are 
you know, it's it's maybe it's not fair to do that because, you know, I'm beginning to think that we're not going to resolve these or bring them around to the truth if you're mocking them because then they just circle the wagons and and uh, then they're not open to listening to you. And uh, and I saw that at this rally where you had this confrontation where there was nobody going to find middle ground. And like yeah. there were people like I was watching like Kate Nixon and Queen up there. They were trying to, you know, calm people down and talk respectively to people. And, you know, they have a lot of experience with this activism thing. And uh, yeah. and but a lot of people were just looking for an excuse to go and tell the other person, you know, to stuff it or more colorful language than that. And uh, <laughs> and and that was on both sides. You know, the guy with the, the shohar or whatever you call that horn. Do you remember that dude? He was it wasn't a didgeridoo. That, he had that big horn, the ram's horn, you know? Yeah, I've been and, calling uh, it a didgeridoo, though. A, a, I think a didgeridoo. A, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. The, I know it's a, I know it's a traditional Jewish horn for some type oh, of Oh, is it? Because it looked ritual. like a snake. I thought it looked like... But it's a it's yeah. a ram's horn. I got it close to him. But this guy was <laughs> running around going, what is hate? What is hate? Explain to me what is hate. But, you know, he he wasn't actually asking that. It wasn't even rhetorical. It was just he was doing it to antagonize. And uh, and because that's what they went there to do. They went there to confront these people. And and there was a lot of that happening on the other side, too, to be fair. I mean, so it's uh, and while it's entertaining and it's good television and it's great for the my documentary footage because you know it's uh it's easy to edit because there's lots of stuff there but uh you don't really want to see it for getting to the truth of these issues which is like and of course when i listen to the speeches especially by the denise denny i guess she was one of the organizers yeah. for that and it was like almost nothing she said was accurate you know, mm. like, uh, and it was just sort of, you know, one of the claims she said is that the uh, Sogi is teaching is teaching teachers to teach kindergarten kids how to masturbate. Like, right. uh, for one thing, I've gone through what I can find about the legislation because it's not even released entirely yet, is it? From what I understand, not coming out till October, the full. Am I right about that? Because first uh, for Ontario. But, yeah. Well, I. I, I looked up the last one, like the last the the last refresh. And yeah, that it, it, I mean, I went through this in 2015 when they were protesting in front of Liz Sandals office. And they were I mean, it was essentially all mm -hmm. the same talking points that they're yeah. teaching kids in grade one how to have sex. And what it was is you, yeah. they teach kids in grade one what the proper names of body parts are. Right. Uh, that's I guess to sort of like demystifies it and, instead of saying like, oh, you're you're private parts or your no-no spot or whatever just so that kids yeah, yeah. have the the language that if they are being abused they can explain it properly mm -hmm. and that's i guess the sort of the irony of what they're doing because they're they're suggesting that this is going to endanger children when when the point of the teaching of the education is to protect them to mm. to give them information so they and the and a, my argument would be with these people and it's hard to discuss it with them is that yeah you know you're outraged by this stuff but if you're outraged by the real stuff that's different then they can have a conversation but if you're going to make up stuff about it to be outraged about and like watching her talk they were losing their minds over these talking points that were completely wrong they weren't true and uh of course yeah you're going to get mad if you're uh if you think uh some person you know because how many people know their kids teacher personally yeah you know you're gonna be mad if you think that person's teaching your kid how to masturbate you know that's yeah. gonna be a but that's not what's going on so they had and i see this a lot of times where they with uh with uh i guess especially with the sort of the anti-vax crowd is that the truth isn't outraging enough so they have to exaggerate it or lie and then say not it's not exclusive to them but i it's very prolific with them i could say and uh so you know what were these people up there upset about are you upset about the real 
uh, the real policy or are you upset about something that you your little echo chamber is sh shooting around and uh and if that's the case then uh what is the yeah. point you know yeah and, and then i say like pardon me what were you gonna say well i was gonna say you know you, you raised the point about like well can't you just like talk to your teacher like your kid's teacher mm -hmm. um and i wonder like you know, it's hard to get a, a straight answer about this because I, I did talk to Denise and Amber, the two organizers, and I was yeah. trying to get down to like, you know, what is it exactly you're angry about when you like say you're mad about gender ideology? What does that mean? And, you know, when you, if, if you're concerned about parental rights, why are you posting these memes from like Bill Maher, who's comparing gender reassignment surgery to being a pirate? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the thing I just want to get down to is like, can you not if you have if you have these concerns, can you not just like get your teacher on the phone or like have a teacher or parent teacher meeting and say, like, this is what I'm hearing. Can you confirm you're doing this? And I'm wondering, like, does that happen? And if it does happen, how do those meetings go down? Or mm -hmm. is it just, you know, I'm mad about this. And I mean, isn't this the do your own research crowd? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, that's a, this is the problem with the do your own research thing is that they've decided they don't trust official sources. Right. And uh, so they believe their friend who sends them a link to some website. And uh, and this is what I was hearing leading up to it because uh, I had friends in both sides, like yeah. people I've known for years. And I know I have friends who are in the anti-vax movement and, and uh, who are at various levels of, you know, fact, you know, simply people who are... Uh, they just typically don't trust big pharma and uh, sure. they don't like the government mandating what they do with their health. And, and you can talk with them based on that. Now you don't have to agree with them, but they, they aren't making stuff up. They're like, uh, they're talking from fact. And, uh, and so, but that what's happens with these, a lot of these groups is that they, for one, they've dismissed all legitimate legacy media or whatever you want to call it, mainstream media. Mm. And now they almost entirely rely on the information they get from their friends or their own research, doing their own research, where they are looking just for things to confirm their own bias. Like they're yeah. not going to go and they're not, you know, they make fun of journalists and they don't trust journalists, but the one thing that we're obligated to do as professionals is that we have to find the most factual source for both things and both sides of an issue. And, uh, you know, there's, I'm sure this has happened to you because it's happened to me lots of times where I might have an opinion about something. And then I realize I'm entirely wrong because, mm. and then that obviously, because I've tried to be as professional as objective as possible, I have to sometimes upset people because <laughs> like, they'll go, I, you know, what you wrote wasn't true. Well, yeah, it is true because I talked to an expert, yeah, not you. And, you know, <laughs> you see this with climate science. You see it with uh, this. Well, this case, sex education, you see it with, uh, you know, immunity, you know, the whole vaccine and uh, pandemic uh, crisis or whatever. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, all the way through, you know, with conservative politics and left, right and et cetera, like uh, it's a uh, it can it can be uh, a lonely place sometimes because, you know, people tend to. And this is this is one of the things I notice a lot about the right. And where you want to talk about sort of the sort of modern wave of activism hmm. is that they come to expect that you're there. You're either there as to confront them or you're there to tell their what they want to hear. They don't they don't respect the the object the sort of the required objectivity of journalism, which mm. is something that I never had to deal with in the past. And that's like for decades of uh, covering activism. It's, there was a there was a real effort to be factual because they knew and they respected objective journalism and so they there was there was an expectation that you were on their side right you know, they might they might say well he's a trusted source he has never misquoted <laughs> us or something like that which comes to be you know 
a redeeming characteristic for the, <laughs> but there, but there isn't this idea that you will lie on our behalf or you will swallow whatever we say and, and you won't question us because, you know, this is the, you know, I know when I approached this uh, with Denise Denny, she was confrontational with me as soon, very soon as I met her. Like, mm. uh, and I was, I went up and talked to her very, you know, professionally. I was just saying, you know, you, are you the organizer? You know, I introduced myself and she was prepared to, you know, be confrontational with the, with the press. And, uh, and I'm not really used to that. <clears throat> I mean, well, I'm getting used to it, but, uh, <laughs> It never used to be the case. And, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of times people aren't happy to see you show up because, you know, they're uh, maybe they're doing something they don't want to be filmed or photographed or whatever. But there wasn't this, uh, you know, this expectation or uh, disappointment or whatever. And again, because you're doing your job professionally. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there, there's you protest to get a message out mm -hmm, and yeah. you know, the, the, the protest isn't the, the end of the message. It's the beginning of getting the message out or, you know, you're some point in the middle of getting the message out because the, the issue is still persisting. Um, and, and I've seen this in, in sort of covering the anti-mask and anti COVID stuff protest is um, that they, they don't, they're concerned as you're saying about the angle you're taking and that, you know, mm -hmm. they're worried that you won't be objective. And objective is like a really mixed word. I, I think a yeah, lot of yeah, people well, at times I... when people and this is this is I hate to say it's a both sides thing, but it's a both sides thing that being objective mm -hmm. means I'm going to repeat exactly what you say and put it in an article without doing any further analysis. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, if you're at City Hall protesting. You know, Cam putting microchips in your head and there's no proof that cam has a secret lab where he's putting micro microchips in people's heads <laughs> you know i i'm gonna put that in the article too it's like here's yeah person x this is what they're protesting even though there's no proof that x is happening yeah yeah again i, I agree and that's a this is uh i you know this is it is a struggle as a journalist to be objective and so when that's part of your training i guess you know and this is why there's this whole gatekeeper you know, uh, you have this whole thing against the gatekeepers because we we do this. But I think, you know, it's a uh, it's like with anything, with any professional, if you're going to get your plumbing fixed, you know, you're right. You're going to get a, <laughs> a trained plumber to do it. You're not going to get your bro your brother's friend who uh, who can do it a lot cheaper. And, uh, you know, there's there's just things there's professional. And, yeah, that doesn't mean that all professional journalists aren't, you know, are uh honest and objective and sure because it is a difficult thing to do you know because there, there's lots of times where i show up at something and uh i know the other side is not you know i don't agree with them let's just say for like sure sure and uh but i make every effort to treat them fairly and you know and that's one that's one of the reasons i sort of gravitated a lot towards video documenting mm. things on video because you know i often say when people are who are you here for who are you here for who you represent blah 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 i said i just point the camera you know you do <laughs> you behave how you want to behave the, the video is going to show that you're being a dork you know mm. or you're i'm going to have it on footage and it's not going to be something i'm describing and uh and I know that's a bit of a cop out sometimes because you know it makes it easier for me to to do that and and uh, and get a you know I guess get away with it. <laughs> but uh, but again, you should want people with cameras there. You should like everyone yeah. there should be filming it. Everyone there should be putting on. And it, you know, yeah. I, I know there was some concerns with the counter protest on Wednesday about safety, about people's safety, people who mm -hmm. may want to have shown support but people who didn't want their face out there because they identify yeah. as trans or questioning or or any part of the rainbow but it, it should be sort of like a matter of i guess basic tenant of <laughs> of how to hold a protest is you should want everyone yeah, on yeah. camera everyone sharing everyone putting it up on facebook posting it to the gram you like youtubing it tick it 
whatever yeah. it is. Because the whole, again, the whole point is awareness. And if you're and, not trying to raise awareness, what are you trying to do by protesting? And that's the thing. You're showing up and you're putting yourself out there. This is a, and this is something I've noticed again, not to keep going after the, uh, the, I guess, you know, for lack of it, let's just say the right for this, just for this argument's sake, but sure. there's an effort that's uh, sort of this, and I don't know if it's a result of the pandemic and people being isolated and becoming keyboard activists, but there's mm-hmm. like a, there's a real effort. And you know this personally, because I know you've been dealing with a certain situation where they, they don't want to be identified. Mm. Like, and to me, the real activists, the activists that I was used to working with or uh, covering, they put their face out there. You know, they, they believe in their cause and they're out there. And, uh, you know, I remember covering the Hanlon Creek Business Park uh, occupation, and there right. was a bunch of these were like very intellectual young people, and yeah. they're you know they were mostly anarchists, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the criticisms I heard from people because I shot video there was, "Why are they wearing masks?" Well, yeah. there was there were people there wearing masks, but there were very few of them wearing yeah. masks. But as it turned out later, what I found out is that at least two or three of them were undercover police (laughs) 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 who had had infiltrated the group and they were wearing masks. You know, they were telling their colleagues, you know, they don't want to be identified, but they were actually, they were police themselves and they didn't want someone to recognize them and tell the other group. And, uh, and I actually got pulled aside by a policeman who I recognized at one of those. And that's how I found out what was (laughs) happening. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> but that's because our expectation is that if you're going to be a protester, you're going to put yourself out there. You believe in this cause, put yourself out there. And that's a lot of that has changed. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people working behind the scenes, that's why I'm very curious about this sort of this movement or whatever you call it, because I've been yeah. documenting activism in Guelph. I sort of focused on Guelph because I live here and there's yeah. a real, there's a real activist culture here. And, uh, so I started documenting this years ago, but I started to notice this change of, uh, of you know, these, you know, these uh, anonymous people who are activists and a lot of times very radical in mm. their beliefs and what they're, you know, in the case of uh, the one in one case that you know well about, you have people <laughs> who actually organize mm-hmm. illegal actions and then deny that they're a part of it and, uh, and you know later want you to pretend they weren't you know then you know there's this expectation on journalists to cover it up for them because they don't they don't want to be associated with it for whatever reason i'm a little cynical about their reasoning but uh or that we you know that we don't want to know what their reasoning is like there's a reason you can mm-hmm. say online um behind the you know putting like a picture of you know big bird and calling yourself you know, Captain Crunch or something. I like just right. to pull names and things out of a hat. You know, it's pretty easy to set up one of those straw men, one of those paper mm-hmm. dolls, and then you know say anything. And you know, yeah, it's it's it, it is kind of the responsibility. Like, well, if if I'm arranging a protest against a housing development somewhere, and I'm just a straw man organizing a Facebook group, for all you know. I could be saying, well, this housing development is is going to destroy the environment, but I could own property across the street. And I know that housing development is going to ruin my chances to build a similar development. And that's why you dig into like who's who's holding the the paper doll up and who's trying to arrange these things. It's it's not like we're trying to expose people. And the other thing I'll say, too, is um, there were people at Wednesday's protest. uh, Daniel Kelly got up to speak. And I don't know if you know who Daniel Kelly is, but he ran for the school board in Wellington County somewhere last election, last fall. And he was talking about how he was trying to walk and walk the talk about his faith and that his wife had left him and his family doesn't really talk to him anymore. But this is the thing he believes in and he's going to stand up for it. If there's a cost to exposure for some of these people that, you know, mm-hmm. that, some of them are very aware of what the cost of exposure is, and some of them are very unaware of what the cost of exposure is going to be, whether that's professional or personal. And okay. I think I think that's something. I mean, that that's a wicked responsibility 
is that mm-hmm. is the way like putting someone's name in an article might have them personal impact. But again, these are public events being organized for the public. And yeah, you know, I think about I, not to compare Daniel Kelly to the crying Nazi, but the crying Nazi is someone who was like, yeah, come on and film me marching through the streets, sc- screaming Jews will not replace up. And then he starts crying because his neighbors are like, dude, we don't want to be associated with Nazis. And his boss phones him and says, by the way, you're fired because I'm not employing Nazis. And all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, he understands like the real world repercussions for maybe for just mm-hmm. being extremely online. And again, I'm not comparing the people at Wednesday's March to the crying Nazi, but no, of course, yeah. it's there, there, there is a cost to these things that sometimes people don't anticipate leading these very online lives that we have now. Mm-hmm. And I get, you know, and to that point, because I know having met lots of these people, I don't, I don't know how many of the uh, anti uh, vax or anti mass rallies I went to, I know it was around 20. Some of them were like small and some of them were quite big there. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I got to know a lot of the people and the majority of them are just good people who are just misled, you know, and I'm not saying it. Yeah. Like they, you know, and I'm not saying they don't have legitimate reasons to be uh, resistant to a man. They, I obviously, and, you know, or suspicious of, uh, of, you know, any policy or, you know, big pharma and what they're doing and everything else. But, uh, but that's the difference. There's these, those people who are, uh, really genuinely there that, you know, they, they haven't made a good effort to inform themselves, but they, they are, they are there sincerely. And then there's the people who know they're lying. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm always suspicious of the ones who are, who are, uh, not, there genuinely and that's why i say the the person i was referring to earlier who i won't name <laughs> that that uh, we've had the uh, issue with this person there's a dishonesty to what he was doing and uh just to for your audience's sake this is a guy who organized a rally and uh an illegal one and i won't give the specifics but he yeah. organized it and then when the police showed up he denied he was part of it right and uh and he accused me of uh, taking unwanted pictures of his children. He brought his children to a rally mm-hmm. and uh, he invited people to it online under a pseudonym mm-hmm. and then pretended he wasn't a part of it. And uh, and to me, those are that type of person. And, you know, it's funny because I never really made a. I found <laughs> out his true name from you, <laughs> but uh, because I just. I just knew he had been the organizer and I knew a pseudonym online, <laughs> but, uh, and I think, you know, that is kind of our job. And, uh, and you gotta be careful because yeah, I was, I was angry that he would make these allegations to me yeah. since I know that he knew they weren't true. And that, uh, and I was, I guess a little disgusted by the fact that here were other people putting themselves out there and once they were gone, he denied he knew them. He denied he was a part of it. Right. And uh, and I think, you know, and that's like I said, that's an element of this this sort of activism that I that's new. That's new as far as my experience. And uh, yeah, and, and you're right. There's not. Oh, sorry. Well, I was gonna, I'm just to add. Sorry for interrupting, but you know, yeah. covering those anti-mask protests. There are people who are very active online, stoking the stuff mm-hmm. and, and getting people angry. And then when you go to the actual in-person protests, they were the people who were always standing off at the side. Yeah, that's right. There was like, you you know, there were, and, and that's not to say there were two, like there were people who would follow up and, and, you know, post online in these groups and help organize and get up and speak. But there were definitely people and I who I've never mentioned in an article because they weren't part of the protest. They didn't get up to speak. I didn't personally talk to them. But when you observe and you go into those groups and you look at who's chatting, you know, and then you, you look around the crowd and you see this that face and they're mm-hmm. way off to the side, way behind everyone else. And I think there's there's something there's something not quite right about that. I'm not ascribing yeah. any maliciousness because, I mean, again, there is a, a difference between how you talk online and how yeah. people talk in, in, in the IRL. But there is something to that. 
that there are a lot of um I don't know if you want to call them paper men or or paper people because mm-hmm. it's not even technically paper it's online but it it just there there is a very distinct difference between some of that radicalization online and then how it manifests in the real world because it, it seems like a lot of those people and are sort of left abandoned once they're out in the protest, once they're out in the physical space by the people who are kind of help stoking them along. And that's just not a fact. It's not just a factor of like people in our community too. You can also blame Steve Bannon. You could blame Mm -hmm. Ben Shapiro who aren't Canadian, but whom these people trust implicitly more than, you know, even, you know, you or I who are, you know, local people covering local affairs or, you know, Canadian national anchors like you know omar sajadina or mercedes stevenson or, or whoever you want to name it's <laughs> they they trust this guy who they never meet and probably would never meet because they couldn't afford to eat in the same restaurants as ben shapiro or steve bannon but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more more than yeah. you know, like the local people on the ground who are members of their community and this is the thing about your your instincts, your journalistic instincts is to wonder about that person because, yeah. you know, the, you know, Bannon and Shapiro, they have a very clear agenda and they mm-hmm. they uh, and they make no bones about misleading people if it works yeah. to, for their end, you know, so and they have money behind them because they have a goal. They have a, you know, whatever it is, they have a political objective and uh so, you know, and this is one of the things that makes me curious about these uh, these sort of anonymous people, these pseudonym people, is that mm. what are your organizers, what is, you know, it's just like this march, this uh, one million march for children. I kept changing, the name kept changing. I know it's apparently it's it's been a well-known name for a while, but ultimately I've been I've seen these people. They're not they're not professional activists. But somehow they organize this thing world uh, countrywide, you yeah. know, like and I know that, the say, the Wellington Water Watchers who've been doing this for like decades, they couldn't organize that. And they're like, you know, been doing it for a long time or the uh, yeah. Council of Canadians or whoever else. And so uh, so you, you're you're I guess, you know, for lack for yeah, your spidey senses or your journalist senses, they kick in and you go, there's something about these people that is not honest and uh and or genuine maybe it's a better word and uh so you're automatically going to go to them and you and you feel an obligation to identify them and i think you know that's a responsibility because you know that's what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be and that not because we're trying to expose them or ruin their lives or whatever else but they are they are spreading disinformation and they're they're uh they're initiating these you know, in the case of the, you know, uh, the, the the protests that we were talking about earlier, that was an illegal protest, you know, was to, yeah. to go into a public place that had a mask mandate and violate it. Yeah. And uh, and not not where there was people who developed policy. These are people who are simply following a rule and you're going to go there and in danger. Potentially, you know, you can argue whether or not wearing a mask was helpful. I mean, I think it was, and I, all the experts say it was, but you know, they don't believe that, but at the same time, they're not experts. And I, I've yet to meet, I've yet to meet an expert at these, uh, (laughs) at these rallies who, uh, is not, in my opinion, being deceptive, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're, they are people who know better. You know, it's like you say, you're talking about say ben shapiro or jordan peterson these are very intelligent people who i who i consider to be dishonest because they have they are motivated by something else and they they are they're not entirely truthful because they know better you know steve bannon steve bannon you know the guy's he's a very intelligent man like i mean very rich too. Probably, yeah, he's a lot smarter <laughs> than me. And uh, <laughs> and the point being is that when I <gasps> when I know people know better, and they are still saying this stupid, crazy shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I it makes me okay. This is someone you got to pay more attention to, and uh, you know that's just what we should be doing. But, as but I journalists. think I think you're onto something too when you're talking about like the water watchers. What is their goal? 
Their goal is to ensure that our water, local water resources are protected, and they focus exclusively on the Guelph and, and the surrounding Wellington County area. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're they're concerned about groundwater and how much groundwater is being taken. I've been to, like, demonstration against the war in Ukraine, which... Granted, it's not a local issue, but there's a local connection because they've been organizing support for refugees coming in, Ukrainian refugees who are being resettled here and organizing mm-hmm. like food and clothing and, and accommodation and things. What's the local connection? Because I, I think I, you know, you could walk away from the counter protest and you know that the, the local connection there is we want to make sure our spaces are inclusive. But when you talk about the One Million March for Children, what's the local connection there? What do they want? Do they want to have mm-hmm. a sit down with, uh, with with Rafe from you know Upper Grand District School Board and talk about policy? You know, do yeah. they want to have a you know <laughs> a, a meeting with the the you know Minister of Education? Do they want to have you know a, a community assembly or a public assembly to like talk out these issues? I don't know. It just seemed like we went down there to yell. And a lot of the yelling was also about mm-hmm. how this is satanic and Jesus is coming. So it's going to be cool. Yeah. Well, this is the thing I think, you know, again, this is, you know, you, you're referring to the water watchers, like their, their goal is to influence policy on water taking. And, uh, yeah. you know, and these big uh, multinational companies like uh, Nestle or Blue Triton or whatever, you know, taking water, like they're trying to influence policy to, these people, they're they wouldn't even know. I mean, again, and I don't want to, I don't want to disparage them, but I don't think they would know how to talk professionally to a school board representative. They were not there to do that. It would, and that's why I say I look at it as being very cynically political. It's yeah. like, and I this and this interesting thing is like when it started with the uh, with the anti-vax, anti-mask rally. They started did start out at least locally. They started very kind of grassrootsy, but then mm-hmm. you started to see them start to evolve to be, you know, a lot more political, a lot more partisan. And next thing you know, they're they're challenging climate change. Or they're, yeah. They're, and uh, next thing you know, they're spouting off political, like uh, conservative talking points, and uh, and. So you you know you question well who's behind this now is this like people who are genuinely concerned about Pfizer and Moderna you know giving the, putting microchips in them you know or whatever are these people who are is there people using this you know the the Bannons the Cambridge Analytica <laughs> you know agenda who are li- you manipulating people for political purposes and I bet you you couldn't have found one person in that group. That wouldn't have wore an F Trudeau T-shirt if you handed oh, them yeah. one, oh, and yeah. uh, you know. So I'm looking at it, thinking, and I, that's what makes me cynical because, and uh, maybe cynical is not the right word, but that's what makes me suspicious about. Mm. And uh, and again, the fact that they they're there and they're outraged, but they really don't know the sogi the specifics of the legislation. They've just been told, like I say, they've been told these things. And, you know, some of them are genuinely concerned. Change is, change is hard. And, you know, a lot of people from my generation, especially, it's been difficult for them to accept, you know, uh, transgender and uh, gay rights because that sure. was that was very taboo when yeah. they were young. And so, but I know, I know at least two people who I'm friends with who are in that group who have children who are trans or gay and uh so i know they don't hate those specific people they have their right. own kids but they they've been uh scared they've been scared by disinformation and uh you know uh so it's who's why why is it why is it being uh you know agitated especially when it's so much disinformation and you know, I'm not saying some of them didn't come by it honestly, but I, I'm a little bit more suspicious, I guess, because I see the political uh, slant. I, guess, I mean, that, to it all. the partisan that, slant. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad we're sort of talking this out because I, you know, I've seen 
from the other side, people are like they're just haters. They're they're bigoted, and it's like, yeah, but they have you know, some of them, as you said, do have kids who identify as gay or or trans or whatever. Mm-hmm. They they can see the individual, but they think the broader movement is something to be suspicious of and i don't know where to find the middle in that because mm-hmm. i think you know the goal is and i think that this is the honest goal is to just say like everybody's welcome everybody's included um like take time to f- there, there was a woman who was for some strange reason i was on the surrey subreddit and she <laughs> she has a kid and she's like my kid is 10 um they're showing signs like of not being one or the other, like male or female and not like conforming to either of those gender types, but I'm leaving them alone. They're going to figure their stuff out. But in the meantime, I don't want somebody at school, like bullying them because like, Ooh, you're trans gross or something like that. Mm-hmm. As just like, leave the kid alone to figure themselves out. And to say, if no matter what you are, whether it's this, whether it's that, whether it's other, whether it's something new, you figure it out and we'll be here to accept you when you're ready to, you know, I, when you're ready to accept your identity, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you turn that into policy. <laughs> or yeah, how you... <laughs> what? Well, that's the thing. And I think there's been a, I mean, my experience growing up in the Catholic school system is that, uh, that uh, gay kids or you know, k- kids who didn't identify personally because they didn't per- certainly didn't publicly not identify as one or the other. Right. But you know, you knew who they were, and those yeah. kids they were bullied or they were left out. They you know, and uh, we weren't taught tolerance. Yeah, but we didn't even know anything about it. And I think you know, I know from uh, talking with my grandchildren, and uh, is that they have a way, you know better understanding of this and of a way higher tolerance. And this is because the school system because of the schools. Yeah. Yes. They have been. So I think they're moving in the right direction. Now, do you want to challenge, you know, you have every right to protest and challenge the school, you know, cause you know, it's not unthinkable that they come up with bad policy. I mean, I was in the Catholic school system. Bad policy was part of their, the zeitgeist. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they, they make mistakes and, uh, and they, you know, you know, one of the things that Denise uh, Denny was saying, oh, this is all developed by the UN and the World yeah. you know, Monetary yeah. Fund, the International Monetary Fund. And uh, but she's also forgetting that, yeah, some of the big, best experts in the world are meeting to try to figure out how do we create a more inclusive world? What is the international? What is all the data that's been collected international? What has been working? What hasn't been working? Just because the UN's involved doesn't necessarily mean it's the new world order. And it's like, a, but they have this, uh, they have this fear of that, right? They have this fear of this is Canada and we do things different here. Well, you know, experts are looking at this because they're not all experts are evil. You know, yeah. Elon, Elon Musk trying to take over the world, you know, kill Superman or whatever is <laughs> goal. You know, like they're don't, don't give them ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they're, and this is my experience of talking to, uh, you know, say vaccine researchers who like, you know, people who are, think they're all part of the, this evil plan. You know, I think I have yet to meet any of these people who aren't genuinely trying to help people. They got into this. They spent, you know, six years in university and all this time in internship because they want to develop a vaccine that saves the world or saves people's lives or some medical process. And, uh, and yeah, you know, they might make some money in the process, but that's not why they're doing it because there's a lot of better ways to make money ways to make money. And uh, so like uh, this is, you know, it's the same thing because I hear a lot of this with the uh, agra because we have a lot of agra research at the university and with the GMOs and stuff like this. And, and I know a lot of people who protest against the GMOs and the, you know, the uh, neonicotinoid applications on the fields and stuff like that. And these are all a problem worth looking at. But the researchers themselves are just trying to figure out how to feed a growing population in the world. And they're 
they are not going like, yes, I'll make millions of dollars poisoning bees, you know, like uh, their job is to, and yeah, so the evil corporation ends up using their, their science for, to make a bunch of, you know, rich guys richer. But uh, the, uh, and this is, again, this is the sort of the, the black and whiting or the othering of, of these things. And that, you know, and it was both sides that that protest was a perfect example where, mm. There was, you know, a large element on both sides of that protest who were not prepared to meet halfway with anybody. Yeah. You know, they were just there to be angry at them because they are, you know, say homophobic or, you know, hate. I, you know, one, I thought that was maybe an unfortunate term that they were using because it automatically is going to cause people to be defensive makes them go to their corner yeah yeah not everybody there was full of hate yeah they're they're misled and uh and maybe they're not being factual you know maybe it should have been you know fact versus falsity or whatever yeah <laughs> you know calling them all hate haters is uh you know it's not accurate either even though you know there's they don't maybe they don't realize they're being hateful because you know they they don't realize how hurtful it is. It's like, you know, it's like the the racist and sexist jokes that I, you know, I grew up on. Sure. Now when I hear them, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, that was I have a friend who tells me a tasteless joke <laughs> at least once a week. And we have an inside thing about it, you know, and we both know you'd never say that publicly. But yeah. I mean, it's like but these were, you know, there's a sensitivity and it's not it's not hateful. But, you know, you have to be conscious of and this is the problem with this legislation because most people recognize it as being something that's going to make kids feel inclusive they're going to be educated it's not going to lead them to be uh, abused or groomed it's more it's going to make them more likely to be safe because they'll recognize you know what's improper touching or what's you know this type of thing and uh but the you know they're never gonna they're never gonna listen to you talk about it uh you know, rationally, because they've already gone into their corner because you you've uthered them. And uh, well, many have no noted this, that, you know, decades of being presented with, you know, a, a, a heteronormative lifestyle hasn't turned one person who's gay or lesbian into a straight person. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great that's a great point, because I'm always saying they're not going to it's not like they want you to be gay. They want you to accept gay people. But I, that's an even better point is yeah. that, uh, that uh, growing up. Yeah. In a, you know, I guess, you know, normal is not the word you use, obviously, but, you know, what was considered normal when I right. was young. Yeah. And uh, didn't it just made, you know, gay people go undercover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did a piece a little while ago on Robin's Nest, which is a lesbian club over in Cambridge. That thing operated. Cambridge is not known for tolerance. It's not one, you know, it's not one you use as a, yeah. an example. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they operated this uh, lesbian club over there. And it was uh, it was all done in secrecy because they couldn't be openly lesbian in Cambridge, in that community. And uh, people came from all over and uh yeah. And so, you know, that was the, that's what we're trying to change, trying to change so that, you know, you don't have to have this, you know, not to say that there wasn't, you know, that there was a lot that was, it's an interesting story that, you know, we don't have time to talk about the, uh, <laughs> you know, the repercussions of all that, but it's, uh, I think, I think personally, there may be problems with the, with Sogi, I'm not a, educational expert or child psychologist but uh yeah. the objective is to is to make kids safer and more inclusive it's not it's they're not evil groomers or whatever these people want to say and that's a and that's again you know they're all there angry about something that's not entirely well almost nothing they said was true yeah <laughs> and uh and uh, especially intention, the intent of the, the legislation is completely opposite of what they're saying. And uh, so when are we going to see the finished doc, Troy? 
Well, it's interesting because this, as I say, it was interesting because I was, when COVID hit, I was kind of like, well, now I got time to kind of put this thing together, the history of activism in Guelph. And then, boom, I started going to these, yeah. <laughs> this new wave of, which was really surprising at first because I, I sort of came to be sort of uh, acclimatized to activism, you know, yeah. showing up at, and I really felt I understood it. And, uh, <laughs> but I think what's happened, and this is my conspiracy theory kicking in here, is that uh, the, and I, I hate using this right left thing because I think it's, it's, it's more, I guess, nuanced or whatever. But I think uh, these people have been going at their consultants trying to find out how do we prevent progressiveness from always getting the majority vote? <laughs> you know, how can conservatism turn things around? Because, you know, like mm. if you look at the, the, it's been losing ground for decades. And uh, I think when you start to see, and this is one of the things I started noticing is that them co-opting these things that had worked for the left activism even even terms that they used right the slogans they used they cashed in on things that had worked for the left the activism for the left and you know like pro-choice and a million man march and freedom fighters you know like freedom yeah. fighters when i first got into activism those were central american people fighting for democracy you know they, yeah they weren't they weren't people honking their horn in ottawa because they had to <laughs> wear a mask you know and uh so there's a, it's as if someone said, you know, let's use all these things that worked for the left and uh, see if we can, you know, rescue conservatism. And, uh, mm. and I know that's, that's, you know, that's a very big generalization. And it's a theory I have that I think does hold some, just simply because the terms they're using are very familiar that people already hear and know and recognize. So they're easy for them, you know, like, and you see them like uh, Denise, for example, she's wearing a uh, native, uh, you know, an every the child matter shirt. shirt. Yeah. yeah. They, they borrow from these sort of legitimate, and I don't want to say they're not legitimate, but they're, they borrow from these other established activist groups to, to legitimize what they're doing and uh or to i think confuse people personally yeah. because because uh you know i when i first walked up to denise you know because i've been i've been covering a lot of uh the the land back movement and i've been talking to a lot of I've been tons of uh footage co covering their various things and i'm used to seeing these people wear these shirts and uh and amber and denise both look indigenous and so mm. and was it intentional that they were sort of connecting to that because yeah. i saw someone with a sign saying this is no different than the residential schools yeah you know, they tried to change your culture blah 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 blah, blah. and uh there's like you know pick a lane what do you guys do you're uh you're co-opting these things and i i i I tend to think there's some something more calculated than accidental to that. I think they, because consultants play a big role these days in advising uh, con politicians, even in government. You know, there's a big there's scandals about it, like McKinsey and their influence on government policy, provincial and federal. And uh, so, you know, these groups are figuring: how do we get a better audience? How do we how do we broaden our our appeal and get more votes and yeah. Well, what do you do is you got to get it from these people who are voting progressive. And uh, how do we get them? Well, we we lure them in by making it seem this is the same as the other things you think. Or I know that's kind of a generalization, but. No, and I think that there's something to that that, um, I, you know, I have written down here sort of like what what happens next. It, you know, there is, I think, a question of what does happen next is it about like is policy going to matter in the next election whenever that is or just mm -hmm. gonna be like who's angry at trudeau and what are they mm -hmm. angry about and then where do they go and then who's sort of left to you know still vote liberal and do they vote liberal to block a, a pierre polyver government 
that is sort of riding the coattails of the convoy and one million march for kids and whatever else mm-hmm. you know happens next you know it does do our politics just become a matter of not what you want but what are you mad about i think that's mm-hmm. yeah. a concerning thing that that maybe i see coming out of wednesday well that's what i say with the, you know you know with ben and he he exploited the culture wars he, they were deliberate thing to create divisive uh division over you know really not necessarily hot button things they were just like they're cultural things that make people angry immigrants coming into our country that you know and they don't have any concern about telling it to the board the borders are wide open well you know <laughs> anybody has to go down there they can see their borders aren't wide open but they don't care about that what they do is it's about you know, people are responding more to what they're against than what they're for and uh yeah and that's what i see there you know like they're against this because it's uh they hate Trudeau. Mm-hmm. They hate anything that that's gonna go. They hate the UN. They have they're you know, they have these uh they're fed they're spoon fed fear of the new world order and the the what is it, the uh the uh of gonna come to me, but the, <laughs> the all these things that are the, the the big changes that are happening behind our backs and the, the you know, Soros and the, the yeah, great the replacement. Illuminati and you know, yeah. and uh, and there's simple answer, there's simple things to get your head around rather than the realization that you know, government and or, trying to control things or organize things, develop policy is very messy and complicated, it's, and that's how it's supposed to be in a democracy. Yeah, but the, the thing about answer, the, sorry, go ahead. The, you were supposed no. to say the simple answer, so I want to hear the simple yeah. answer. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, the simple answer is it's it's all Trudeau's fault. You know, Trudeau yeah. is responsible for oil prices. He's responsible for the the high price of food. Like, those are very easy things. And, you know, and the fact that someone like Pierre Polyev will actually play on that, you know, rather than correct people. You know, there's that famous, and it's you've probably seen it a million times, but with John McCain saying, you know, no, Barack Obama isn't an Arab terrorist. We just disagree. Like, yeah. the, the age of that kind of you know, uh, truthful politics and not saying it wasn't, there wasn't dishonesty before John McCain said that, obviously, <laughs> but I mean, those were, that's, that's a sort of, and, and I, you know, I didn't agree with John McCain on almost anything, but I agreed with sure. him on that because it was like a, you know, he believed in the truth, yeah. whether or not he was right, you know, he believed in being factual and, uh, yeah. and fair and respectful and not, exploiting lies knowingly exploiting lies this is the thing this is the bannon this is the bannon poison you know who cares if it's true yeah does it get people upset if it gets people upset then they uh you know they'll vote accordingly and uh i always say the i always say of the un uh it's hard to think maliciously of an organization that gave a generation of kids little orange boxes and said collect all the pennies and nickels you can to solve world hunger yeah exactly not sure not sure why so many people are scared of the un well i mean and especially especially knowing how powerlessly powerless they really are you know (laughs) yeah you know like they they've uh indicted putin but you know he's what are you gonna do nothing's gonna happen to putin i mean yeah they have great real estate on the east side but that's about it yeah um all right we'll have to leave that there but uh troy bridgman thank you so much for all your time today it's been nice yeah. to ch- nice to chat with somebody else who understands <laughs> <laughs> oh, i i understand <laughs> well i'm glad you came to that conclusion okay <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks troy and once again that was troy bridgman you can find most of bridgman's work over on guelph today and other village media sites and you can follow him on twitter at troy bridgman You can also check out my coverage of last week's One Million March for Children and the counter-protest, and that's all at the Guelph Politico main site. And that is it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. 
You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Political Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. And if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>